you're visiting, I want to introduce myself. My name's Jose, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor of Cypress Creek Church. And we are a group of imperfect people that are all on a journey to follow the only perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that you feel welcome right wherever you are in your spiritual journey. We have been in the book of Malachi. This is a book in the Old Testament, actually the last book in the Old Testament. There's 39 in the Old, 27 in the New, and and we're going to transition. It's kind of cool how it happened in the calendar right before we enter the Christmas season and the coming of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to close our series on this book called the, oh, the book is called Malachi, and the series has been The Father's Heart. We've been looking at this Old Testament prophetic book and what it reveals the Father's heart. See, sometimes when we read the harder books in the Bible, you know, the ones that are sounding a little mean or, or the ones that are harder to like apply in our everyday lives, it's easy to just skim through. But I hope that you have uh, learned as much as I have as we have dug into what the book has taught us about the heart of the Father. Because the truth is, especially with the more difficult passages, the more we lean into them, the more they reveal about God's goodness, about his love for us. In fact, I want to put this concentric circle here because that's what we've been doing. We've been going verse by verse. And whenever we read the Bible, it doesn't matter where we turn our Bibles to, uh, when we read the Bible, it's really important to read it in context. So we read that verse, the first verse that we uh, read. And then we got to ask the question, where does this fall into the larger uh, chapter? You know, What's the chapter say? How does that inform the verse? Then we look at the book. How does the book inform what I am reading? Because there's different types of uh, literature in the Bible. Some books are history. Others are prophecy. That's in Malachi's case. Others are just law. Others are teachings, different uh, poetry. There's different types of books. So we got to know where does it fall into context, not only as a book, but also as a testament. Is this Old Testament? Is it pointing to Jesus? Or is it in the New Testament telling me what Jesus came and did? And, and lastly, it gives us a really good perspective of what the Bible is all about. So again, zooming back in, today we're going to close by reading the last six verses of Malachi chapter 4. Uh, but first, let's recap. The first two verses of Malachi is a word from the Lord. Let's go to the verse uh, 1 and 2. Prophecy, a word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you. So right off the bat, we saw that in the Father's heart, there's what? There's love. There's love. And a good dad is both loving and what? Truthful, stern, discipline, you know, we, we, we need both. We need love and we need truth. And so after we talked about God's love, his perfect love, we, we talked about the sacrifices, remember, in chapter one and, and how the people were giving God their leftovers and, and they were sacrificing these diseased animals. And, and thank God that God didn't give us his leftovers. God gave us his one and only son, the perfect sacrifice. And then we looked at God's promises, how the people at the time, this is 430 BC, were unfaithful. They were unfaithful to God. They're also unfaithful in marriage, in their marriage covenant to one another. A lot of unfaithfulness going on. And then inside of the father's heart, man, he is faithful, faithful to the end. He fulfills his promises. Then we looked at how he protected us. We looked at the furnace. Remember that? Or, or did you already forget that? That's an, that's an easy one and a good one to forget that one. I don't want to be in the furnace, God. I, I don't want you to refine me. I mean, it's tough stuff. We, we spoke about the father's loving 
discipline in our life. When we're in the furnace, he, uh, he does away with the impurities so that we can become more like Jesus. And he does that, we learned, because he sees us. And when he sees us, he sees value. So he wants to purify and he wants to beautify our value. And then last week, everyone's favorite topic, we talked about money and you guys came back. Thank you. Awesome. And we talked about how God wants us to give back to him because he is the provider. Inside the Father's heart is a, is a heart that provides for us in every circumstance. And then we're going to close with a bang today, looking at God's power, how he is the almighty God. He is the all-powerful one who is mighty to save. So let's turn now to chapter 4 of Malachi, and we're going to read these six verses, and we're going to look at how God's heart is filled with this power, five things that God has the power to do again, starting in verse one of Malachi four, the Lord of heaven's armies says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace on that day. The arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed roots, branches and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servants, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, will come. I will come and strike the land with a curse. This is the word of the Lord. And let me ask you a question before we go to these five things that these verses teach us about God's power. If I were to ask you, how powerful are you feeling right now? Would your answer be, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. Things are going my way. I just got a promotion. Marriage is good. Kids are good. Grandkids are good. Life is good. Would you say I'm feeling pretty powerful? Or if you're honest, you would say, you know what? Things are good. But there's these, there are these things in my life right now where I feel pretty weak and, and, and I'm feeling powerless in. And I hope that we're able to camp out as good as that may be. I hope that we can all look into our lives, even think of a, either think of an issue in our hearts, in our, in, our, in our life, in our walks with God, or we can think of a relationship or we can think about something that we're thinking about, a particular circumstance and allow God's power to rest on you this morning. See, he is the almighty God. We, we are reading the Lord of heaven's armies. Uh, other translations say the Lord of hosts or the Lord almighty. He is the all-powerful one. But uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that he didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of what? Of power, love, and a sound mind, or of self-discipline, self-control. So he wants to transfer his power on us. So again, I hope that there's a circumstance where you're feeling weak, an area where you're feeling powerless, and you can invite God's power into this morning. Let's look at this first point. The Lord of heaven's armies, the day of the judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. 
They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. Aren't you glad you came here this morning to hear this very encouraging word of God, the all-consuming fire? The first thing that we need to remember is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this furnace, that, that if we are in God, if we fear God, then his fire does not consume, it refines. And if we do not know God, scripture is clear that there will come a day of judgment where God's fire will consume. And we won't be able to take the only thing that can protect us from God's wrath or God's judgment is the blood that was shed for us on the cross by Jesus Christ, God's only son. And so if we are not under his atoning sacrifice, that fire will consume and we will be, like it says here, like burnt up like straw. It's a hard word. We uh, lit our first fire of, of the year last night and I saw it firsthand, man. You, you light that kindling and then whoosh, it goes quickly. But here's where I want to uh, encourage us to think about. Who, who is the judge? Who, who does this verse say the judge is? It's not me. It's not you. It's, it's not anybody here on earth. It is the Lord, the Almighty One, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. What does it look like to recognize that he is the judge, that he is the one with all the power? What does it look like for us to step off of that? seat of judgment, of bringing about justice in a particular circumstance relationship. See, the first point is that God has a power to bring justice. He, he will. He will. He will bring justice. And if we do our job, then we'll be powerful. In our weakness, we, we, we will be powerful. What's our job? So glad you asked. There's a character assessment in Romans chapter 12 where Paul talks about what it really looks like to be a follower of the way of Jesus. And if any time in your life you, you want to think about or you want to be challenged, you want to be encouraged on, on what it looks like to, to be a, a follower of Jesus, check out Romans 12. It's got a list of a lot of things. And, and one, of, one of those is, is this. It's in Romans chapter 12, verses 17. It says, repay no one for evil, evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, and you can't control what others do, but we can control, we can have self-control, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Leave it to the God of justice. Vengeance is mine, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He's talking about this coming day when Jesus will return and come to judge. Vengeance is mine. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what's our assignment? If your enemy is hungry, do what? We feed him. If he is thirsty, we do what? We give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is our assignment. Let God be the judge. Let, let God be the one responsible for justice we need to be like Jesus, who came filled with grace. We need to be the salt, and we need to be the light in a lost and confused world. And maybe that's for you in a certain relationship right now, but maybe that's for you as you look around and you're like, man, this world is changing. Our country is changing. Do not lose hope. God is the God of justice. Let's remember what our part is, and let's 
do that. Let's look at verse two. But for you who fear my name. So now he's talking to those of us who fear God, who say, hey, I believe in you, Jesus. I want to follow you who fear my name. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. He is the God of justice and he is the healer. He has the power to heal any wound, physical, emotional, relational, mental. He is the healer. And maybe right now that's what you, where you need to receive God's power. Maybe there is an ailment that you are struggling with. Doctors don't have an answer or the doctors have given you a negative prognosis. We believe that God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is able to heal. I love this picture of the sun. And then it says his wings that uh, it, literally it means the sun rays. So uh, in, in really cold parts of the world, for example, in Northern Europe, where it's really, really cold and dark, especially in the winter months, there's like a, an hour or so of light. Did you know that psychologists treat depression, not with medicine, but a ticket to the coast in the Southern, in the Southern tip of France? They actually give out these vacations because they know that the power of the sun is healing. Not if you stay there for a long time without sunscreen, right? But, but it is healing. And, and it's the same way with God, the Father. His, in his heart, he wants to bind our wounds. He wants to heal our broken hearts. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says this. He gives power to the faint. The Father gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's, what's our job? He's the healer. What's our job? Isaiah tells us, wait, wait. Here's uh, how we step up to the bat. When something hard comes our way, be it illness, be brokenness in some way. We, we, this acronym, B-A-T, I've talked to Pastor Ron, our prayer pastor, and, and, and I think this is great. She's an Astros, big time Astros fan. So we step up to bat. The first thing is that we believe that God can heal. We believe that God's the miracle worker. Anybody with me? We believe that God can. He is able. And then the A is we ask. We ask, God, will you? Will you heal? We know you can. I believe that you can, but I ask that you will. We ask for a long period of time. We ask other people to join us in. We pray. We fast. We do our part. We say, Lord, please, please, please. And then no matter what happens, the T is we trust. We trust it will be on earth as it is in heaven, according to whatever may happen as a result of our believing and our asking, because here's the promise. We will be healed. We will be healed either this side of heaven or next. He promises us healing. He has the power to bring about healing, which goes on to this next point. And you will go free. So healing, justice, healing, and then you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you leapt like a calf? When was the last time you saw a calf leaping? Maybe uh, 
yesterday if you're a ranch hand or maybe never if you're kind of like me. So uh, I, I, the only experience that I have with calves are my senior year in high school. We thought it was a brilliant idea that our senior prank would be to bring a calf to school. And, and times had already changed, y'all, by the time that I was a senior, because you can no longer do the borderline or super illegal stuff, you know, that would be dangerous for everybody involved. And, and so we had to get, like, written permission. And so the only condition for us to bring a calf to school, don't ask how we came up with that, but uh, I, I was the one that, that found the calf. I had a friend anyway. That's another story. Uh, the only condition to bring the calf to school was to spend the night with the calf. It needed to be supervised, so I... Stay the night with the calf. But it was a very boring calf. It wasn't doing what this verse is doing. So I asked a rancher friend, you may know him, Sean Stover. I said, hey, can you give me the farmer's interpretation, the rancher interpretation of this passage? And he said, yeah, when calves are in the stall, they're in the stall because they need nurture. They need their mother's milk. Calves are let out when they're ready to take care of their own. They've received enough nurture, and now they go to graze out in the grass. And it, can you imagine all that pent-up energy? And then whoosh, they are just jumping up and down like a five-year-old going to recess. <laughs> can you think of the time, last time, that you felt that joy? You felt that freedom? And if not, what does it look like to tap into the power of God to free us from our sin? We sang that this morning. He paid the price in full. What does it look like to go out and jump and, and be free? Like, the, like after the Astros won the World Series, right? You saw those guys jump. You saw those guys leap, you know, uh, taller than they've ever left before because it's that joy and that freedom that came from within. Victory. We won. My friends, in Christ, we have the victory over sin and death nothing to fear. We can go out leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Uh, that's what Jesus came for. Galatians 5.1 tells us, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. He's talking about workspace, trying to earn our way to God. No, no, no. Jesus did that for us which is what this next passage is talking about. In verse 4, Malachi writes, Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servants, all the decrees, regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. What he's talking about there is all 613 regulations in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all the law that Moses brought the people of Israel and said, Hey, if you do this, you will be blessed. If you don't do this, you will be cursed. And what do they do? They did not do. <laughs> and, and what do we do? We, we do not obey. It's the same thing with us today. God says, hey, uh, I love you. I'm a good father. Uh, follow me. And we say, no, I'm going to do my own thing instead. So what we need to remember is that God and only God has the power to fulfill the law. See, Jesus came and he became the curse for us. Jesus came and he was perfect. We couldn't do what, he, what we couldn't do, he did for us so that we can be united with the Father. That is powerful. Uniting an imperfect being with the perfect Savior of the world, the Creator God. Only the power of God can bridge that chasm. That's what this verse is speaking to, that God is 
powerful enough to fulfill the requirements of the law. Here's what Romans 8, 3, 4 says. Paul's talking about this. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by our flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. He died in our place. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh now, but according to the spirit. It's powerful stuff, y'all. Man, we now have that spirit of God because of what Jesus did, because of his perfect sacrifice. And uh, then you may wonder, well, if he did that, then why, why do I still struggle with these things? Paul talked about his major struggle as a thorn. And he said that he prayed many times. He believed that God could uh, uh, take this thorn away. He asked that he would, and then God did not take this thorn. He did not take this sin issue from Paul. And I just think it's great that he didn't label that issue. Here's why. Because if he would have said, my sin is, I, I, I steal stuff, you know, or, or my sin is, I just have a tendency to, to lie, or, or sexual immorality is, is my thorn. If he would have said that, then every leader of every church would say, that is my thorn too. It was the apostles Paul, and it's mine as well. He didn't label it because we all have one, and we need to recognize that because of that there, that's what reminds us to tap into God's power. Here's what Paul talks about when he, when he, when he said, hey, pray, take it away, God. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. God didn't take it away, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in, let's say all that together, weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We couldn't fulfill the law. Only God fulfilled the law for us. So it's okay. Man, it's not right. It's not good. But it's okay to share that. What is that, I wonder? that we are, you know, alone with in that stall? What, what, what thing are we shielding from everybody else, from the Lord? The freedom that we have in Christ allows us to live in the light and to share that with someone. When we do that, you better be ready to be that calf, jumping up and down for freedom because death was arrested. Hello? And that's when our life begins. Last verse, two verses. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. God has the power to restore brokenness. God has the power to turn things around. I know that many of us in the room relate to this passage right here. You want to restore that broken relationship with your grandkids, with your kids, kids with, with your mom or dad. The most important relationships this side of heaven, our immediate nuclear family. And, and that's how Malachi closes the chapter. That's how God closes the Old Testament by saying, I 
will send this messenger named Elijah. We'll get to that in a second. And he will turn. God will, through the message, will turn people to the ultimate one who can restore all things. Elijah comes in Luke chapter 1 through uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. Kicking off our Christmas series that, that oh, we're picking up right where we left off. But here's where I want to go and where I want to close today. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus now, 400 years after Malachi was written, Jesus comes on the scene, the only Messiah, the, the, Messiah, the only one, the anointed one, the only Son of God. And, and he says to his disciples, hey, if you want to come after me, you, you got to deny yourself. You got to recognize that you're imperfect. You got to be real about your weaknesses. And you got to take up your cross, recognizing that I fulfilled the law. I'm, I'm here to do that. You can't do that, but my power can. And then he says, follow me. Follow my example. Love as I love. Live as I live. Then he says this to them in verse 1 of Mark 9. Truly, I tell you, some, are, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with Power, my friends, the kingdom of God was inaugurated here on earth when Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. That's what he's talking about there. And we will see God come back later with Malachi uh, uh, verses one of chapter four was talking about in the second coming Christ, the day of judgment. He first came to rescue and then he came, he will come to judge. And then check out this picture After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. Like a mountain, like when Moses came to see God, like when Elijah was trying to hear the voice of God. And there he was transfigured before them. Could you imagine? His clothes, Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, the ultimate prophet and Moses was the ultimate priest. And, and some even say that he was a king because he was the leader of Israel before we, we had kings. But he was the ultimate leader who were talking with Jesus, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. Who were we just talking about in Malachi? Moses and Elijah. Let's keep reading. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. And they were so Frightened. This is stereotypical Peter. I love that this was put in the text. It really doesn't help us interpret as the only thing that it tells, uh, teaches us is A, Peter had a big mouth, and B, God is so powerful, sometimes we don't even know what's, what he's up to, okay? And God's graceful to allow us to just be us. And uh, so we move on. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, the Father's voice. This is my Son, whom I love Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Elijah, the ultimate prophet, was gone. Moses, the ultimate priest, the ultimate gone. Uh, 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 Elijah, the ultimate prophet in the Old Testament, was gone. Uh, Moses, the ultimate priest and king of the Old Testament, was gone. And here stood the ultimate priest, the ultimate prophet, and the ultimate king, Jesus Christ, who invites us to receive his power when we are with him. Let's uh, review and see what we talked about the Father's power to bring justice, to heal wounds, bring freedom and joy, and fulfill the law, restore brokenness. I want to close by asking us to receive his power in one, two, or maybe all five of those ways. 
Maybe it's something that you're fighting and you need to, uh, uh, you need to posture your heart and do what the song that we sang earlier, God, the battle belongs to you. <laughs> I'm, 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 I fight, but on my knees. And, and I trust you, God, as the one that ultimately will bring justice in this circumstance. Maybe it's a wound that you want to invite God to, to heal. You want to believe that he can and ask that he will and then trust him, whatever happens, or bring freedom and joy that he has uh, freed us from the bondage of our sin. He was the only one to fulfill the law, or maybe it's a relationship, a broken relationship that you're waiting, that you're wanting God to restore. Can we respond to him individually where we are and just ask for his power to rest on us this morning? If you feel so led, I want to invite you. This is the altar. You can come, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit. We'll have people, uh, pastors and prayer ministry team folks on one wing, two wings here in the front. If you need uh, prayer for anything, that's what we're here to do. Let's yield the rest of our time to God. If you're able, please stand with me. We thank you, Jesus, for your power that is made perfect in our weakness. We thank you that you chose to send your son to bridge the gap between you and us that are sin created. Lord, if there's anyone in the house that has yet to say yes to you as their Lord, as their Savior, I thank you that you don't look for uh, good works. You, you just look at the posture of our hearts to say, yes, I, I surrender to you, God. And I believe that you sent Jesus, your only son, to be the perfect sacrifice for my sins. You died the, di the death that I deserved. And I believe you, believe in you as my Savior and as my Lord. And if that's you, I want to invite you to share that with someone that you came with. Come forward, share that with someone up here. Let's not walk this walk alone. And so, Lord, we receive your power, and we thank you.